Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Welcome to this week's episode of Start, Scale, Succeed. Today, I'm joined by Vicky Schilling, the wellness business mentor and author of Just Start Now. We're going to be chatting all about marketing strategies to help you grow your email list. Thanks very much for joining me today, Vicky. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to what you do now. I'm sure like a lot of people listening, it's one of those long and winding tales. I used to work in the classical music industry for 10 years uh, in London, managing orchestras. And my last job was international touring. But I was really struggling with my my health, particularly digestive health, um, irritable bowel syndrome mainly, and was really getting to me towards the end of my um, working life in music. And so I started to explore my own health, um, really mm-hmm. kind of changing my diet and my lifestyle and exercise and everything and started to follow a lot of people around that time. This is kind of 2016 peak wellness guru time, um, looking at how I could feel healthier, be healthier, and just felt like I unlocked a whole world of wow, there's all these amazing people doing these incredible things, retraining as nutritionists and health coaches and um, so much to learn. I just fell in love with it, found it really fascinating. At the same time, I was kind of falling out of love slightly with what I was doing in music. It had become quite kind of, I don't know, money focused and I wasn't enjoying it as much as I um, used to. So I started a blog, uh, met a lot of people, started doing a lot of networking, also fell in love with something else, which was an Irish man who refused to leave Ireland. Um, <laughs> so I took the leap to move to Ireland from, from the UK, from London, where I was living, and used that really as a, an opportunity to leave behind the music industry, which is obviously very big and very active in London, but much, much smaller in yeah. Ireland, and say, right, let that go, see what I can make of this kind of health and wellness um, stuff, trained as a coach, um, and realized mostly through my blog that I was the network I was building was people practitioners, people in the kind of health and wellness sphere that were asking me exactly like we're going to talk about today. How did you build a mailing list? What did you do with your website? How do you using mm-hmm. social media? How did you start getting paid for it? Um, and that was the stuff that I loved helping people with. So really stepped into owning that as kind of business mentoring, bringing some coaching into it. Um, and helping people specifically for me within a sector that I felt really passionately about had helped me a, a huge amount in my own health um, and wanting to make sure I saw amazing practitioners achieve what they wanted. But I often found the, the business bit, the marketing bit was the bit that they were really lacking. A lot of people were spending years, you know, retraining, leaving big corporate jobs, often experiencing burnout themselves and studying, you know, getting degrees and diplomas in nutrition and health coaching and spending hours doing their yoga teacher training or what it was, that stuff they felt really passionately about, constantly doing their CPD. And yet none of those colleges, none of those institutions were teaching them how to go and get customers, how to actually then help people. So all it became was a kind of expensive hobby and something that 
I often feel that overwhelm was a real sign that you're you're meant for more. You've got loads of ideas, but I just don't know how. I don't know where to get started. And um, it's love. Some of us are like, right, just get up and, and get on with it. But I often find, and that's how I kind of open my book. Actually, just start now. I, my mum said that to me. Why? Why would anyone need a coach? You know, why would anyone need you? Can't they just get on and do it? And I was like, well. No, don't you love, don't you love the? Um, my mom would be the same. She's like, "What do you do?" Yeah, <laughs> don't you? Why love does anyone need that from your parents? Do they yeah. really need you? What do they? You know? And I was like, "Oh God!" So that is the voice of my inner critic. Fabulous! You've just personified it. That's why I keep saying that to myself sometimes in those moments of doubt. But the truth is, and the thing that I see every single day is, people reach out saying, "I don't know what to do," or "I do know what to do, but I'm getting in my own way for some reason. I'm not doing it. I'm not." stepping out you know that fear of vulnerability that fear of judgment that fear of success or fear of failure all the things that come along with it so there's there's so much there's the practical stuff that I try and bring like we're going to talk about today they're all practical stuff but there's Mm -hmm. also a lot of mindset stuff that goes with that as well about how you need to think and believe in yourself and about your customers and your ideal customers to make it work and you mentioned your book um just start now tell us a little bit about that so that was very much born out of um, the, the mindset part part that we were talking about there that I was seeing after helping people for years, particularly in this health and wellness sector, that it wasn't the practical stuff that actually, you know, there's plenty of YouTube videos and advice mm-hmm. out there on how to use social media or how to get your first customers or how to fill your practice. It was the real mindset blocks that I was seeing over and over again. So I wrote the book to condense all that down, to put that all into one place um, and to share some practical tips really on how to start changing those often, you know, thought patterns that have been going over and over again. And actually a lot of readers will now say to me, they, they feel less alone when they read it. They, they feel less like mm-hmm. they're going crazy or that they're the only one experiencing this, that it actually makes them feel heard and understood and seen because that idea of like I say like fear of judgment worrying about it succeeding worrying about talk about you know salesy being pushy and you know charging too much all of these things that that's not just you you know that that is very common but we need to find a way to reframe things and to think in a more positive and supportive way for this to work because otherwise those kind of mindsets are going to hold you back from achieving and helping people absolutely and I think particularly that you know in in the wellness industry and the mental health nutrition you're doing people a real service you know what I mean in terms of the transformation or the benefits of the value that you give people you know all the time you can't put a price on that you know but but today we're going to specifically talk more about growing your list and and your you know those marketing strategies that you can do to achieve those why is it so important to grow your list I say the number one reason is important to have your own list, your own mailing list, is that you have exactly that, your own data, your own way of communicating um, with the people that love you and are interested and want to um, invest in you or are interested in what you do. That is very different from building your entire business on social media, for mm. example, which is a platform that is not ours. We do not own. If it disappeared tomorrow, you would have no way of contacting those people, whether it's a few hundred or a few thousand. Um, And I find that a rather terrifying proposition for anyone building their own business, that you would build a business in a way that um, someone else is in control of whether you can contact your customers or not. Um, 
not least because I see people getting blocked or hacked or, you know, or the service going down, for example, are suddenly losing a few thousand followers, which has happened periodically over the last few years, but also because the algorithm changes all the time. And again, we're not in control of that. So one thing that might be working for you for a few weeks or months, suddenly the algorithm changes and you're not being seen by people anymore. So I really like encouraging, absolutely using social media. I'm a big fan myself. I think it can be used really well and really strategically. But what I really want to see is getting people onto your own mailing list where you can contact them. That's not an algorithm based around that, that you actually get into people's inboxes. And actually, it's still today, 2023, is the most effective marketing method online um, because people make huge amounts of buying decisions based on emails. And, you know, you it really helps you build, I think, super fans because you're welcoming them more into your own world or you might be sharing things that you're not doing on social media that with them, whether that's offers, you know, and a lot of the listeners that will be listening now will be product businesses. And someone that I spoke to recently about the pod, um, on the podcast, um, you know, they've said they they're now make more money off their emails than they do off their kind of shop now on their on their Instagram and I think another stat is, I think it's something like 40% of your sales come from 8% of your customers. So you will have those. So if you're communicating them specifically, directly, and we'll talk about segmentation, more personalization later on, but, you know, you're giving them more of what they want. So they're going to come back for that repeat purchase or, you know, whatever it might be from you and and be part and want to be part of your world. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think I treat my mailing list quite like that. I often say things that, like you said, that I wouldn't say on social media, that it feels more like a a personal one-to-one communication with people, even though it's not, and people are not stupid. They understand that you're sending it to hundreds or thousands of people at the same time, but it feels like we're having a direct conversation um, in a different way than you would on social media where you post something and it's being seen by lots of people. It feels that slightly more more personal in a, in a in a strange way and that email I also think is universal isn't it this that sometimes people say well which social media platform should I be using where should I go well do you know what everyone uses you know even people in their 60s 70s 80s they've all got email you know everyone yeah, knows yeah. how to use it they check it once a day that's where we could be having those conversations with people if we're if we're getting it right and I think on social media as well I think it's something like only is it only three percent of people see only three percent of your audience see your actual content like it's depending I suppose on on what you're doing and and how you're posting but it's not even if you have 10,000 followers you're not reaching that 10,000 whereas no. you know depending on your open rates and your click rates of your email you you can actually see who you're reaching and who's reading so it's more quantifiable for you as well what would be your top five tips for going your list? Okay, so what would my top five tips be? I would say what we need to grow an email list is an incentive for people to join that list. So I am a really big fan of some kind of lead magnet or freebie, whatever you want to call it, to entice people to join that list. It's not enough, I don't feel, in this day and age to say, join my mailing list to hear what's going on from me because no, we're all about what's in it for me. What do I get back from it? Um, I appreciate lots of your listeners are product-based businesses. So um, again, I always get a lot of people saying, well, I'm a product-based business. So how does this, how is this relevant for me? You know, I can't do a checklist or a cheat sheet. Yeah, you can. Absolutely Mm -hmm. can. You know, if you're selling clothing, is it a style guide? You know, if you are selling candles or, you know, products, is it how to create a little self-care sanctuary for yourself in 15 minutes? You know, there are so many different ways to create a little freebie, a little added value um, in there to give people. And what I'm always looking for in a good, high converting lead magnet is something that people really think that they need. You know, does that answer a particular problem or a question that they have? Or is it, is it solving a particular problem for them or giving them an outcome that they're looking 
looking for, even if it's just the first step on their way um, to it. And ideally, it leads them back to your your product, your service as well. So I would say create a a really good lead magnet. Um, Again, you have to play around with these things, but start somewhere and and see what people like and see what works. And then talk about that lead magnet everywhere. Mention it as many times as you possibly get. You know, if if we were to reduce this to two tips, it would literally be those two tips. Create a great lead and talk about it. And then just talk about it everywhere. Um, Mention it as PSs on your social media. Mention it if you're chatting, if you're doing interviews and things, you know, mention that you've got a lead magnet, a helpful little handy guide or freebie for people um and ideally if if the current audience that you're talking to or my third tip would be get in front of new people then right once you've designed that freebie and you're talking about it with your current audience how can you then I mean that's marketing 101 anyway Mm. but how can you then get in front of new people can you pitch yourself for a podcast interview or a feature in the local radio or um, to go and collaborate or talk do a training in someone else's Facebook group for example and there you can mention it and and bring it back you as well so I said those are the top three my fourth tip would be send really great emails and we can talk more about exactly what that looks like but you know your email list will grow if it's the same as your service or your product-based business if people recommend it people like oh god this email was really good and they forward it to a friend or they they say we really joined Vicky's list because she sends such brilliant emails that's how it's going to grow you know if if you're sending really good value-filled emails to people and I would say my fifth tip is to really try and focus on this um like at least once a quarter you know if you if you look at I quite like and I know with my community we work in kind of 90 day blocks is there a week during that that those 90 days where you can really go right I'm going hell for leather on the email email list growth this week is it I'm talking really specifically about my lead magnet or I'm designing a new one or I'm going to run a I don't, you know some kind of webinar or, or something like that that's actually going to fill my list from there like is there a time where you you do this strategically rather than I'd, I'd love to think it and it does it kind of trickles in if you've got the all the right system set up but also a nice little concentrated effort I think what really helps as well when you put that in the diary and Going back to the point four that you talked about in terms of, you know, sending great emails, what does a great email look like? So a really great email (laughs) looks like one that is serving the customer that you are trying to help. So I think you and I both agreed that where we create a service or a product that really answers a particular pain, but we really know the person who is on the other side of that, we are really sending them an email that speaks to them in some way and Mm. I think there's a real difference a a lot of people will will get confused about or a really great email means I always give a tip or I always give you know tell say something really helpful absolutely sometimes you do sometimes it's a very clear you know for my audience it will be here's a great recipe that I found or you know try this supplement or um you know try this particularly healthy healthy living tip so it might be that but also what can be in there is that real sense of connection that kind of you know, I felt like this, or has this happened to you? Or, you know, just sharing an insight from what's going on. Anything that builds that connection, I think, with people as well, where they feel that you see them, that you know what's going on for them, that you are uh, understanding of where they are that, and builds that trust with people, I would say is another example of a of a great email. Um, and great emails for me also, I don't want anyone to differentiate between great value added e- emails and selling and like that's suddenly something different that actually you're you're selling and your invitation into whatever your product or your service is um is a natural extension of what you are talking about anyway that it doesn't feel like I'm either giving away helpful tips or I'm selling to people and that feels really 
yeah and awkward actually that it's all a blend of what of all the 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 same kind of things I think as well it's important if people are on your email list they want to hear from you you know they want to be sold to in whatever way that might be you know because they're assuming that you know you've built the connection they're assuming what you've got is going to benefit them in some way or they enjoy it or they like it or whatever it is so that they're to be sold to you know and you're right I think statistically when you um, when people are surveyed about this, they say they would actually like to hear from the people whose mailing list they're on more than they currently mm-hmm. do. As in, if they're on your list, they do want to hear from you. I think there's a lot of fear of, well, I've got, you know, 500, 600 people on my mailing list, but I don't want to email them the wrong thing or else they'll unsubscribe. You can't possibly send them the wrong thing. If it's from you, if it's genuine, you think it's it's information or thoughts or products or something that will be useful to them, you need to get you need to get sending to them. They would love to hear from you. The right people want to hear more from you. And what about then converting those people that are subscribing into paying customers? Any tips on how you can do that more in your emails? Yeah, so I think there's there's a two-prong approach for this. My first one, which is an automated way, is a nurture sequence, is a way to nurture people. So when people join your list, ideally through that kind of freebie or that lead magnet, um, you don't just plonk the lead magnet with them and say, here, here's my guide or here's the checklist or whatever it is, and then stop talking to them. You actually then take them through a little series of welcome emails to your world um because basically in order to move people towards being ready to pay and buy invest in you they, they need to know like and trust you and so actually if we can have that on autopilot on automation that can be happening day and night for you and you don't have to lift a finger you don't have to keep writing those emails over and over again so i recommend a kind of five-step nurture sequence they they you welcome them to your list you know here's your freebie welcome to the list here's the kind of stuff that you're going to receive from me then I kind of do a recap of here's me and what I do or you know if if you're a product-based service here's what we're all about and here's what um what uh, what's going on for us and why we do what we do you know that kind of mission statement so people really get that and again I, I do all this. You might think, well, they've already read that or they've already seen that or it's already on the website. There is no harm in recapping that, revisiting that, refreshing that for people. Next email would be a recap of like maybe your, your best-selling products or your, you know, for me in service base, it might be best blogs or best podcasts or other resources that are really handy and useful for people. I always like on the fourth email to just ask a question. You know, you've been on my mailing list now for, you know, a few days. Is there anything you want to ask me? Anything you're struggling with? you know, nine times out of 10 people don't answer that, but I find one in 10 will suddenly write back with their entire life story or actually, you know, come back to you with a genuine question or yeah. anything more about this, which I think is really nice. Again, showing that you're open and you're interested. And then a fifth email for me would be a direct invitation into perhaps your product or your service or a booking into my calendar or explaining what your offer is that you want to direct them into. So I have that like going and that is the one thing I would recommend if you're going to look after your mailing list have that all set up on automation um and then in terms of that kind of other side of converting people um to paying customers for me is that real mix of um making sure that emails are mixed between that connection content I call it where we're we're sharing blogs podcasts you know tips and things like that mixed in with directly selling to people and not being 
you know, afraid of doing that. And also then what I call like recognition content, that kind of why would you buy it or any blocks or um, mm. objections you've had from people before where you actually handling that. And actually I find sometimes that content can easily be repurposed onto social media, for example, or elsewhere on your FAQ pages on your website and things like that. So that we're, we're doing a mix of all of that on, on your emails to move them from connecting with you, liking, liking you, knowing you, trusting you into is the offer for you. And would you suggest having that little bits of that on the one email or would you like say right on the, you know, if you're sending one email a week for the four weeks, your first, is one connection, is one selling, is one, you know, or would you kind of group them all together? Yeah, I think this is down to personal choice. And um, I always say, people say, well, how many emails should I send or how often should I send them? And my answer is always, whatever is consistent for you. Some mm-hmm. people like the idea of having a newsletter or kind of grouping it all together, a kind of, you know, here's a great tip or here's a great product and yeah. by the way, you know, buy this. And sort of doing that on a weekly basis or a fortnightly basis, for example. If that is what helps you be consistent, do that. Like do that and prove to yourself you're that kind of person and you do that for three months, six months, a year. Um, and then you could always add more in. I personally just find it easier to focus on one thing for an email so it's either here go and read this blog or here's my tip or my thought today or here is my offer go and buy it and I give them one clear call to action on each one of those but that's what suits me my style my way of of communicating so I tend to move away from like a newsletter roundup where it's a little bit of everything and I tend to just do one clear call to action on on each email but it's entire like what feels good to you and what again like test it out and see how well it converts and then maybe test out something else in the next quarter and see if that converts a bit better and and see what you like doing like it's got to be sustainable ultimately and yeah and and until you start doing it and mixing it up a little bit or you know and maybe getting feedback if if someone is giving you feedback and replying or or whatever you're not going to know until you actually start doing it as well and what about um segmenting your list then in terms of how you should be looking at that from a product-based business I know that you deal mainly with service-based businesses but um what are your recommendations on if people have quite a big list but they've not segmented it yet how would they do that I think it's really important to remember a we, we can do this and I think it's that personalization thing that people are kind of coming to expect that you actually do understand and know what they have bought before for example so you want to make sure whichever platform you're using, whichever software you're using, it is tagging those um, those particular subscribers with how they came into your funnel, how they came into your list, or so which freebie, for example, did they download, or which sign up page did they come through, yeah. and then knowing that you're taking them on that kind of journey and it's tagging them with. So for example, I have, if someone clicked on um, the link to find out more about my Just Start Now community, it takes them through that very specific funnel then of telling them more about the Just Start Now community. It kind of takes them off the general list and takes them through that very specifically. So I now know I can then retarget those people with, well, they've clicked on it once. There's obviously, it's piqued their interest. So I can now send them something more specific or kind of more um, targeted reach out um, for them um, around that. So I think it is knowing that you, knowing that you can do it, do it and then yeah. designing something more specific depending on which way they've come or what they've clicked on. And also you can see how active they are as well, like how long they've been on the list, how many things they have clicked on, whether that has converted yeah. and can you 
with your product base um, kind of uh, purchasing software, is that all in together? As in, can you see, oh, you bought this before, therefore, why don't you, you know, you might like this product as well, or this would go really well with it, or um, Mm. this would suit you. I think people are kind of coming to that point where they're expecting, they don't even find that creepy anymore. We're kind of expecting that level of personalization and not to keep being sold the same thing when we've already bought it, for example. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And what should people avoid in email marketing? Or are there any kind of mistakes that you see? I know you've talked about your your five tips to to grow the list, but are things that you see and you're like, oh God, that's terrible, or really should really be that or <laughs> do you know what? Not really, in the sense that I genuinely think the things that I want people to avoid are assuming that no one is uh, that email marketing doesn't work like that's the biggest thing I would say I want you to not think and the biggest um objection I get when I talk about this as a subject is oh well I sign up to loads of stuff and I never open the emails and I never you know never click on anything and never buy anything so I just assume that everybody else is like me and we need to not do that if you are the kind of person who perhaps has an email account where you've signed up to every freebie going and, um, you know, you never open the emails and it's all piled in your junk and everything. Not everybody is like that. We mustn't assume that your habits are the same as everybody else's. And actually, if you can become the person who sends those killer emails that people look forward to and open and know that there's something that really connects with them, that really adds value to them, answers a particular problem. Um, I would say we need to avoid assuming that no one opens emails, reads emails or buys from emails, because that is statistically absolutely not the case. Um, And also just to avoid thinking that you're like we talked about before that idea that you're annoying people or Mm. that it will, um, somehow inconvenience them absolutely not again if you can stand from that real place of I'm adding value I know this is useful I know exactly who it is that's receiving this email and I know they would really love to hear this today or see this today or know this today or but you know invest in this and have this at the end of the week for example I think those are the biggest things I don't really see mostly it's underutilizing like underutilizing that yeah. mailing list avoiding sending anything to it for fear that people will unsubscribe which by the way they will and that's that's good you know we want to hone down who's on that list of people that really love it and click on it and value it um not least because it means that your stuff doesn't go into junk and more people um open and see it yeah, so I don't think I see that. anything that's like oh my god they shouldn't have sent that or that was a bit of a rubbish yeah, email. I'm yeah. just delighted that they actually just send something yeah. And I always equate it to like, if people are on your list, imagine if it was a bricks and mortar, if someone came into your shop and you just turned your back and you didn't talk to them, yeah. you know what I mean? You just would never do that in a million years because you just would like, right. Okay. And it's kind of almost the same. If people are on your list, they're expecting to hear from you. They want to hear from you there for a reason. They're hanging out or they're, you know, they're in your community for a reason. And if people are um, engaging regularly, but they're not seeing the growth, what action would you suggest they take? So growth kind of goes back to what we were saying around um, having a reason to get people onto that mailing list. So creating, so maybe it is a fresh lead magnet or freebie or or something, a webinar or, or an event or something that drives people to join that list. And then for me, it is getting in front of new audiences. So it is thinking, okay, if we're not seeing any growth, that probably means all we're doing is continuing to talk to the same people over and over again, whether that yeah. is our social media audience, current mailing list audience, website visitors, whatever it is. So it's then thinking outside of the box right who are my ideal customers where are they hanging out who else do they trust how can I go and get in front of them is that 
a, a PR strategy? Is that a collaboration? Is that going live with someone else that's got an ideal audience? Is that going to do a free training or a free, you know, sort of talk or something with someone? Um, is that, you know, leafleting in a local community? Is that, you know, whatever it is, how can you get in front of new people? Because I think there is this kind of, there's lots that we can do in a more passive way, you know, working on your search engine optimization, for example, on your website so that people come to you and find you, but that takes a long time. So if you want to see growth, you proactively need to go out and say, right, where are these people hanging out? Where do they get their recommendations? And, you know, who do they trust right now? And how can I tap into that so that mm-hmm. they see me and they I'm in front of them? Absolutely. And there's so much benefit from And I just, I know we're talking about email lists, but in terms of being able to get yourself in front of people, you know, social media and going live, leveraging those other audiences, those communities, like you said, it's, it's, it's easy. It, it, you might not want to, you know, you might be, you know, it, it, being more visible might be difficult for you. But I also think on the other side of it, which would you prefer a successful business or, or not? And if, if being visible is, is one of the things that you need to do to help create that, then, you know, you've just got to take those steps, yeah. those steps forward to do it. And I mean, I remember when I first went live, um, I used to go live every Tuesday um, for a period of time with guests. So going, doing it with someone is a lot easier than doing it on your own. But I remember that first live I was there, like for literally 40 minutes before we went live, I was like, right, okay. You know, as if I was revving for a fight, you know, in, in a boxing ring, I was like prepping myself of that, right, okay. And I was so nervous about it. And it's those moments, isn't it, when you're like, either no one's dialed in yet or you're waiting for the guest to join or whatever it might be. But then it is, it's just practice, isn't it? And putting yourself out there. And um, and then I got so used to it. It was, you know, the like, oh, five minutes, oh, I'm going live now, you know, five minutes beforehand instead of 40 minutes beforehand. Um, and it is, it's just knowing, doing it once and knowing that the world didn't fall apart. That's you know? it. And I think that's what people tend to find is, once you get out, the, the biggest time sap is you thinking about it and turning it into this really big deal. And actually, once you get and get into the habit. So, for example, inside the Just Start Now community, we round up journal requests, like opportunities where they're looking for nutritionists or health coaches or, you know, advice on this article that I'm writing. And again, once you can get into the habit of just pitching yourself over and over again, hi, this is who I am. Here's what I think. You know, here's a little bit about me. You realize, like you say, the world doesn't fall apart. What's the worst that could happen? They ignore you or they say no. Like, okay, mm-hmm. great. And then you just move on with your day. So once you can find a way to stretch that that comfort zone, get visible, get seen, realize actually sometimes it's quite enjoyable. If you can find a way that you really enjoy doing, like you say, chatting to someone else makes it great for accountability and feels like a dialogue, then you're going to get in front of new people. And I think if you're choosing people that are aligned with who your customer is anyway, you'll have an affinity with them, you know, in some, in some way you'll find common ground. Mm-hmm. The chat would be easier. It's not going to be a stilted, you know, a stilted conversation. And often when I talk to my clients and they're like, oh no, I've not, I've not done my email marketing yet. Oh, it's, it's on the list, you know, or, or time might be something that they keep saying is, is a blocker for them. Um, what, you know, what kind of shift in mindset can help them overcome that as a blocker? Yeah. My favorite way to reframe, I don't have time for this is I just don't say that anymore. I I just, I refuse to say that. I replace it entirely with that's not a priority for me right now. Mm 
So if it is the God's honest truth that is not a priority for you right now to focus on your email marketing, which, as we've just talked about, the benefits are, you know, building that brand loyalty, people making buying decisions, not relying on social media and worrying, keeping that keeping you up at night that that might get hacked or lost or the Mm -hmm. algorithm annoying you then fine. You know, if, if your, if your priorities are genuinely somewhere else in your business right now, then okay. But if actually that makes you squirm and makes you feel a bit uncomfortable and the idea that actually uh, is my priority, it's really looking at, okay, well, if this is a priority for me, what else is getting in my way? What, what is it I'm spending more time on right now that maybe I can lessen? And again, most, most of my audience will get quite frustrated with social media. I think we all get frustrated with it at some level and go, right. Okay. In an average week, how much time are you spending? And actually we can usually see that because we've got quite a lot of these tracking apps and statistics now. Can you take even a fraction of that 10%, 20% of that time just to channel it into writing an email or creating a new freebie or putting something, you know, nice and clear, a banner on your website or something on your homepage to start growing a mailing list instead, or send an email to your list and ask, invite them to buy or to to your latest sale or whatever it is instead, make it a priority. And if it's not, that's fine. Let it go. But if it is, where can you prioritize some more time into it? I think as well, when you say with that, when people are saying, oh, it's not a priority, I think they then have to look at what are they prioritizing? Because they might be, you know, and are they income generating activities? Mm. You know, if they're prioritizing something that either they could outsource at a relatively low level from a cost point of view, then that's something that they should be looking at. Because if I I spoke to um, a client, we had a power hour together and I asked her about her email marketing. She's like, oh, no, we don't. We kind of send out emails every once in a while when we've got something to promote, if it's sale. And I was like, just I was like, why don't you just send one out this week? Just send one out this weekend and see. And then she sent me a message and she said, we made four grand this weekend off one email. Yeah. And and this is it. And actually, it's very interesting. I, I guess you asked earlier, like, what do you see that makes you cringe? I suppose the one thing that makes me cringe is you don't send anything at all, anything at all, anything at all. And then you just ask for the sale. And naturally, people are going to unsubscribe if they're like, the only time they show up in my inbox is to sell me something. Actually, if you can get into that lovely regular routine of communicating, sharing things, absolutely, you can always direct to a product. Of course, I'm not saying that. But yeah. if, if you're really centering them and enjoying that dialogue with them, that's going to get you a lot more sales over a longer period of time rather than neglecting that list totally yeah yeah no absolutely I think it is time is it we all use it as an excuse and you know I've used it as an excuse but in terms of of what I've not put on my list but then I've just had to look at well where am I spending my time and what is it what kind of return yeah you know whether it's growing an audience whether it's growing an income you know but what is the return if I'm just doing stuff that's like to tick it off a list but it's not generating anything for me or, or giving back to me you've got to reassess that that list essentially haven't you in terms of where your priorities are I mean I've started outsourcing more um recently and there's a lot of things that you can outsource as a as a as a product business owner yes it may cost you it will cost you money to do that but you then have to weigh that up and say right well if I outsource that how much time will that free up? What could I be doing in that time? Is that, you know, creating more products? Is it looking at my data properly so I know what's working and what's not to then go after, you know, promote something better or really go after my best sellers and grow my margin or whatever it might be. There's all, you know, there's always loads of things that you can be doing. But yeah, no, definitely. I think it's knowing when, you know, really looking at that list and, and prioritizing what is going to move your business forward, whether it's an income side of things or whether it's just, 
what's going to move the needle on your business and making sure that you're prioritizing those kind of things. Yeah, it's the zone of genius idea, isn't it? Like, how can you stay in that zone of genius as much as possible? Yes, we always have to do some stuff in our business that is boring or mundane. But actually, if you can outsource a lot of that stuff for me, it's bookkeeping, it's repeat scheduling and, you know, stuff that actually I want to stay in that zone of genius. I want to do calls with people. I want to do directly creating content and and um, direct, directing people into buying from me, finding ways to do that, working on the business, not in the business of actually doing the delivery all the time. And yes, like you say, it's an investment, but you won't see the growth unless you, like we've only got so much time. There is, I completely understand that. There are only 24 hours in a day. What are you choosing mm-hmm. to do with them? And um, if people want to work with you, Vicky, where can they find you? Best place to go is my website, vickyshilling.com. Um, I work with people uh, one-to-one, but also run a Just Start Now um, course and community for wellness business owners to help them get all of those practical groundwork um, uh, kind of laid. And then we do monthly calls as well, Q&As and goal setting, like we talked about, and that idea of really knowing where you're going. Um, and yeah, come and find me. I mostly hang out on Instagram. I'm vicky.shilling over on Instagram as well. And we'll put all those links in the show notes. And to, to ask you one last question, success requires what? Success requires persistence, I think is my best answer to that. I think the people that I see succeeding, whatever that version of success is to you, to them, is the ones that just keep going. Actually, I think it's about 80% that, 20% skill (laughs) and ability. It's just the ones that keep picking themselves off, dusting themselves down and going again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me today, Vicky. I'll be back again next week with another great guest. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, which I'm sure you have, feel free to leave a review so that more people can find the Start Scale Succeed podcast. Thank you so much, Vicky. I'll chat to you again soon.